Hi friends, Rob here and welcome to another Robcast. This is Robcast 32 and MC Yogi is in the house. <laughs> you wanna say hello? Hello, hello. And um, oh my word, we are, seriously, this is about to happen everybody. But first, you know it's my birthday coming up on August 23rd, um, something just fell very heavy. Um, I'm gonna be 45 on August 23rd and I'm raising money for my, I'm doing this birthday campaign thing. You're, Where, Le, you're Leo or Virgo? Uh, I think I'm a Virgo, I don't know. Yeah, I'm a Virgo. You're a Virgo? Okay. I'm on the 26th of August. Are you the 26th? Yeah. So I'm raising money on my birthday campaign to drill wells for water around the world. Well now. And um, so I know, good one. So yeah. I am so fired up because I'm asking everybody who listens to my Robcast to give money. I'm like just flat out blatantly like, please give me money because I want to get people water. So those of you, uh, my.charitywater.org backslash Rob Bell for that. But now let's get right to it. MC Yogi is in the house. And um, I have, I first heard about you. I saw a picture of you on Instagram and you're leading like, like 2000 people in, um, in like full yoga movement. And the photo is like a black and white and you are like looking to the camera and behind you is like this beautiful mass of humanity. And I was like, this dude is doing something really interesting. Then I realized that you're like a, like a great graffiti artist and that cows is sort of your thing. Then I realized that you're like a rapper and have albums. Like seriously, like, like legit good hip hop. Like my wife likes your, your stuff. Um, always the mark. And um, then Only Love Is Real is the new album. And then uh, a friend tells me that you're like a serious student of a faith tradition. That like this all comes from somewhere. It all stems from my personal practice. You know, it all, actually all this is a result of, of me um, stumbling into a yoga class after I, I lived at a, a group home for at-risk youth for about two and a half years when I was in high school. Um, you grew up around here? I was born in San Francisco, grew up in the Bay Area, and um, you know, as you were saying, I used to paint graffiti a lot, and I got arrested a bunch of times, and eventually my parents decided to ship me off because I was getting into a lot of trouble. And when I graduated, I graduated high school late, but when I got out of that group home, my dad had been practicing yoga, turned his life around, and inspired me not through any words that he ever spoke to me personally, but just through his presence, through his example. So what was he like? Like junior high, elementary school, what was he like? Uh, well, my dad, I, I look at my dad, he's like a saint. He's like, he's like, my, he's like my guru, you know, my teacher. Uh, my dad came out of the closet when I was eight years old. Mm. It was sort of an earth-shattering, you know, time for our family. And in those days, in the 80s, it was, you know, during the peak of the AIDS epidemic. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and a lot of prejudice and a lot of, um, just a lot of, um, ignorance and confusion and he came out of the closet and that sort of propelled me down to sort of a dark path because I was confused yeah did it end their marriage yeah for sure yeah wow but you know growing Wait, had it already ended or was that like him coming out was like no that was it okay that was it and you know the, there was a crack in the facade and my dad sort of stepped into the light out of the shadows said this is who I am this is you know what how god made me and it was like took a huge tremendous amount of courage and strength wow now for me growing up eight years old uh, it was very difficult because at that time most of the kids that i was growing up with you know 
if you're being called gay or you know there's much worse mm-hmm. words that I, mm-hmm. I won't say here but that was like growing up that was the that was the term that everyone used you know especially in hip-hop and so on one hand i was going to school hearing these really negative derogatory sort of words thrown around and then my, you know my dad the person who i love and trust and mm-hmm. who's kind and generous and compassionate you know to hear the world saying that he's bad or or evil or disgusting or anything right, like right, that right. and as a little kid you're like that just doesn't it doesn't add up it doesn't make sense my dad's the most loving kind person that i know and so it really twisted my mind and i had to you know i turned to drugs and a lot of stuff to kind of cope with a lot of things i was going through and uh and then my dad started practicing yoga and changed his life his diet his health was completely transformed never told me about it and then i started to question and ask him you know hey pop what's going on i could you know you, i could tell there's been a huge difference in your life what have you been doing and how old is how old are you at this point so i'm about 17 you know, I'm kind of, you know, and he said, well, I'm doing yoga, but you probably wouldn't be into it. And that was exactly what I needed to hear. Because, <laughs> you know, your parents tell you something and you're going to go do the opposite of whatever they say. Right. right. And so I said, no, no, I'd really like to check it out. You know, this is really interesting. And so I ended up going to a class. In that first class, I, I experienced more peace, more um grace and more ease than I'd ever felt in my entire life. Wow. And, you know, I grew up in the church. You know, we grew up uh, Roman Catholic. And I was always very fascinated with spirituality, you know, uh, personal connection to the divine. But growing up, it was all very intellectual and it was ritualistic and dogmatic without really having a... The experience. The experience. All the motion, but without the actual experience. So going through the motions, kind of robotic. So I kind of rebelled against the church because I felt like you know, it's there's a lot of talk, but where's the ecstasy? Where's the joy? Where's the where you know? Where's the spirit? And it was that first yoga class that I took that slow, deep inhale, filled my chest that I started to really have an experience of the spirit. Where was that class? That was uh, my dad carved out a little space in the back of this barn that is run by my family about an hour north of San Francisco in a small town called Point Reyes Station. And it was him and about three or four other uh, local people living in the town of Point Reyes. And they just get together and practice, no teacher. They just go practice and I just learned through example. In a barn. In a barn. An hour north of San Francisco, amazing. And then my dad, he introduced me to my first yoga teacher whose name was Larry Schultz, who was the teacher of the Grateful Dead. And Larry used to travel with the dead. And then Larry took me under his wing and kind of became my mentor. And this is 17, 18, 19? Yeah, 18, 19 years old. And then what, what was your everyday life like then? Were you in school? Did you have a job? What, what no, I was. me and school didn't get along so well. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I was kicked out of about three schools. Um, so when I ended up at the living at the yoga studio in South of Market here in San Francisco with Larry... I basically, I'd wake up, I'd be his gopher, I'd run errands for him, I'd practice yoga, I'd assist, and that's when I met and fell in love with my wife, Amanda, when she walked into the studio one day and it was love at first downward dog. <laughs> <laughs> that is so fantastic. And did you know, 
yo, there's something here that is my, my calling, my path, my future. This is what I'm going to do. It was my, it, w- it was instant recognition that this was my direct doorway into myself. It was the, the path that I'd been looking for my whole life. Yes. See, this is what I always find fascinating. When people talk about the thing they do that they love that has become sort of their path, it's so fascinating how rarely people say, I just knew I could be awesome and help people. It's generally, this would, like I always say, I stumbled into giving sermons because it would get me out of bed in the morning. Yeah. Like it, it did something to me. Well, you know, I had no, I, I never in a million years thought that I would teach yoga. I mean, we've taught yoga at the White House. You know, we've taught to these huge classes all over the world. <laughs> and like, if you would have told me in high school that I was going to be a yoga teacher, I would have peed my pants laughing thinking that was the most ridiculous thing I'd ever heard in my life. <laughs> but it's funny how destiny kind of unfolds right. when you find your path. Did your dad acknowledge like you had some gift, presence, whatever it is? Did he say like, hey, you know what? This could be something for you. Did anybody around you? I guess Larry, is it Larry? Larry, Larry kind of saw the spark in me. And my dad's always been really supportive because, you know, I'm an artist. Mm-hmm. And he always kind of fostered that and was really you know had my back and showed up to a lot of my events and was always been a big fan um shows up to all my yoga classes he's just like he's just a great dad you know like always there for you um and i think just early on you know i just kind of you know joseph campbell has that saying you know follow your bliss follow your bliss and i think my dad just led through example you know like just trust your heart you know be be who you're meant to be, and even if even if the world doesn't quite understand. Oh, that's so fantastic. So Larry is mentoring you. You meet Amanda. So here's a fun story. So I meet Amanda. We fall in love. Become best friends. Early twenties. Early twenties. She's living in the city as well, working on a startup company with her sister. Her sister ends up opening a deluxe dog hotel for dogs in Oakland called Citizen Canine. And they're working out of like a storage shed. Because at that time, during the dot-com boom, every square inch of San Francisco is a startup company. Mm -hmm. And so we met, fell in love, Amanda and I. And then one night, because I was living at the yoga studio, I invited her up to the rooftop. And we climbed up outside. We snuck out. And I brought her out to the wall. And I had painted a huge mural of her face. And that's, I think, how big big it was like, it was huge. It was like at least 10 or 15 feet. Like it was massive. And, and I think that's what kind of like sealed the deal. Cause she's, she's an artist too. Mm -hmm. She's in the process of painting 10,000 Buddhas right now. She's doing street art and murals. And of course she does all hers legally, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so we have that in common, you know, it's, it's for us, it's all about yoga, music and art. And the two of you at this point knew we're going to make a lot of music. We're going to teach people yoga. We're going to make great art. Uh, we didn't. We really didn't have a clue. We were just kind of young and naive yeah. and optimistic. And um, you know, we traveled to India together. That was a life changing experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I highly recommend to anyone out there, like you know, traveling with someone. That's really how you get to know them. Yeah, because you go through the ups and downs and. You know, that's kind of how you forge relationships. Yes. I'm always like, you have to see them on a bad day. Yeah. Because if you see them on a bad day and you're like, oh, this is the bad day. Oh, we're going to be fine. Yeah, totally. But if you're like, whoa, the bad days are insane. That's a problem. (laughs) So how do you, so how do we go from early 20s, 
sort of walking in Larry's footsteps to the the White House. Right. Like, how does that? Because I I always I always am fascinated with everybody I know who's doing something interesting and they love what they're doing. At some point, there was a a discipline. There was just the blood, sweat, and yeah, ten thousand hours. Yes, exactly. That. Everybody who pretends like they're there just because, well, you know, I'm just doing my thing. It's like, no, no, no. At some point, you set your intention. Well, you know, my younger brother, um, he's a he's a DJ, DJ Amen. He, for years, put in so many hours going to clubs, you know, mm-hmm. DJs on the radio here, KML in San Francisco. And then just last week, he got tapped to become one of the official DJs for the San Francisco 49ers. And I watched his process, and he just... It took like, you know, an overnight success takes about 10 years. Right, exactly. And I think it was like that. I think it was just teaching yoga and, and working on my music and writing my poetry without anyone knowing for years. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. finally there comes that tipping point where you have so many hours underneath your belt yes. that you're ready to serve, you know. And you, you serve the whole way. You know, you don't wait. It's because I was teaching classes that whole time. Yeah, and up an hour north of San Francisco? Yeah, and, and I was teaching here in the city and all around, really. But we do have a yoga studio up there that we've had for about 14 years. Wow. And what is... what do you, Tell me what you know about people having mm-hmm. seen them. Every time I go to yoga, the first thing I'm struck with is there's nowhere to run, there's nowhere to hide. Yeah, your face with yourself. I'm... My breath... It's like the giant call out of any way in which you're moving too fast. Anything you're carrying around that you have just been keeping down there. And now it begins to announce itself. By the way, I've been here the whole time. Anger, frustration, whatever it is that's been lurking in your bones, your cells. You know what I mean? Yeah, it gets stored. What do you you know about human beings from yoga classes? Because you've probably seen every reaction, every sort of thing under the sun if you've taught that many hours. Well, let me share with you what happened this morning. (laughs) Excellent. Because I subbed my wife's class because she's painting a mural this morning. And I went and taught my class and it's an older group. Um, I think probably the youngest, you know, the the younger students in that class are more in their 60s, Mm, 70s. So I walk into the class and they look at me and there's this expression of uh, like I'm a skateboarder terrorizing a senior community. (laughs) with spray paint in the boom box. I walk into the room and I hear people gasp like, you're teaching today? Oh my God, we're really in for a shock, you know? And I proceed to teach one of the most mellow classes that you could ever go to. And what I realized was that most of the time we're reacting to our projections, our own projections. Yes. And we see things and we think that there's something and we're reacting to it, but all we're reacting to is our own preconceived notions of what we think we're seeing. And we're sort of having to navigate through all this mental stuff. We've already decided what this thing is. We're already like jockeying, shifting, making a bunch of adjustments based on what we've already decided this thing is, only usually to discover it's actually not even that. And I burned up all this energy. And so instead of really being present and yeah, open and yeah. clear, we're putting all this energy out that's really unnecessary. And then we're having to double back and reconnect. And yeah. you know, it's like a spider. You know, a spider weaves this intricate web, 
But a spider also leaves a single thread and knows how to get out of her own web. And for yogis, that's the breath. So what I notice is that as soon as the breath kicks in, as soon as we're breathing and we get into the rhythm, into the cycle, that inhale, that exhale, that steady flow, within a few moments, I can feel the weight of everyone's collective mind in the room start to decompress. Mm -hmm. All the stuff starts to fall. And now we're moving, we're breathing, we're present. There's a good energy in the room because we've released those initial layers of mind. Yeah. So let's say you have, let's say you have 10 people on mats. You've never worked with any of them. And you're just, you commit, you're subbing for your wife and you begin to work with them. Can you, almost like an energetic body level, can you tell me if I, if you had like, we had like a little earpiece, you know, with you. And I said to you, <laughs> tell me who is still bound up, blocked. So you just know. But it's not, it's not, a, um, exactly. it's not, it's an not rational. Thing. Right. It's not an intellectual thing. Because if it's rational, then I'm in the role of projecting. Exactly. But you know but at energetically, an energetic body level. Yeah, energetically you can feel it. You can walk next to someone and just your body feeling what's going on inside their body. Because, you know, if you really think about it, we're sharing the same air. The more time we spend with one another, like we're synchronizing all these subtle rhythms, heartbeats, and all kinds of stuff where we're acclimating to our yep, surroundings, yep. which is why the yoga tradition very strongly recommends to be aware of the company you keep because that determines Absolutely. a lot. And so I can tell, like when I'm teaching, because I really make a point and my intention when I teach is to get out of the way, mm-hmm. hold space, you know, so that people could have their own experience keep a steady cadence a steady rhythm like a touchstone like only speak when it's really necessary yeah yeah to keep that groove and then kind of get out of the way so that people can can find their way in oh it's fascinating when i was because i sort of in my early 20s decided to give myself to this art form of the sermon see Mm -hmm. where it could be taken as an art form like to see if you could even if you even even get it out of like a particular religion and a service and an hour on Sundays, but what could this, which is why we're doing this tour, like yeah, it's awesome. what could happen if it was free to be what it is? And um, probably 2002, 2003, there was this teacher from Texas, this sort of mystic scripture teacher named Dwight Pryor, drove a pickup from Texas and I went to hear him teach and he would say a few things and then there were these pauses. Mm. And it was the first time I realized, I probably would have been in my early 30s. Oh, he's teaching with words. He's also, he's using the spaces. And it's like stuff is happening in those spaces. And I remember, you know, getting some time with him and asking him questions and realizing I had been taught, here's what you say. Here's how you say it. Here's how you say it with passion and conviction and all that. And I remember this master teacher showing me, like that moment, you know those moments in your 10,000 hours when a whole new thing opens up. Oh yeah, you can teach with words, Rob. That can be helpful. That can sometimes be helpful. But the spaces. Space is the place. Yeah, yeah. So you can tell, I mean, I know when I go to practice yoga, there's all this stuff that I brought in through the door. That I'm like, whatever it is, whatever the last conversation, last phone call, whatever the thing is, and there's like this moment as I get into it where we start to go into the next place where that stuff gets left behind or it, it's properly put some, what do you call that? 
Well, I see the mind is like water mm-hmm. and it hardens and it crystallizes and it's like ice. And in the beginning of every experience, you have to melt the ice, you have to break the ice. You know, that's why there's always this level of discomfort before you really get to know someone, generally yes. speaking, yeah, yeah. until you break the ice. Because we're all building up these layers of sort of armor in our you know defense mechanism. And part, part of it is necessary for survival. Yeah. Like we yeah. don't want to be naive. There's that old saying, you know, trust God, but tie your camel to the post. <laughs> so, you know, we, it's, it's an important thing that the yeah. mind can become mm-hmm. strong and dense. But the moment that we start to melt our conceptual mind into spirit, into feeling, into the moment, mm-hmm. all that blockage dissolves and we start to open up to a greater reality. So we're not just hardened into a small, tiny identity yes. or ego. Yes. You know, the we boundaries st- dissolve. Yeah. The connections start to everything. All the things that are already true, you begin to realize actually are true. <laughs> and that's the ebb and flow. And that's the beauty of it. You know, We forget so that we can remember. We mm-hmm. harden so that we can soften. Yeah. And we really need both sides. And I think that's what I've learned in yoga is that you know, you want to strengthen those soft parts and soften those strong parts and find balance so that you can be, you know, strong in your core and then soft in your heart as opposed to being really hard in your heart and soft in your core. You know, there's that sort of leveling. That's so good. Strong in your core, soft in your heart. I always say thick skin, soft heart. Yeah, that's but, a good one. But too. when it comes to criticism, you have to get a thicker and thicker skin, but without your heart getting equally as thick. Well, don't think, don't take things personally because people are only talking about themselves. Yes, yes. Because again, it's the what, what it, we're reacting to our own projections. That's so good. So you're, so you come out of like a Roman Catholic tradition that doesn't really connect. It doesn't really provide a path. But then you start studying with Larry and start teaching. Did that? What did that do to your sort of? Did you have a sense of like spiritual quest or journey yeah, or what the, happened? You to know, that? the hero's quest is in full effect now. Like, mm-hmm. I, I've been having mystical experiences my whole life, um, but when I went to the church, it didn't sort of match. Yes. The, yes, I know the exactly ecstatic what moments. You yeah, know. Yeah. Um, but I will also give credit to the church because those rituals carry a lot of um, hidden meaning. And I think they're necessary. But if you stay stuck in just that, then you can live a robotic existence for a long time without really tasting mm-hmm. you know, the joy and the light and the bliss. And so for me, I had to kind of go against the grain. You know, the, you know, there's the story of the Buddha who has to leave the comfort of the known you know, structure of family yeah, and society yeah, yeah. and culture, going into the wilderness and discovering it for yourself and then taking it back to the people. And I, you know, that, that happens all the time over and over in small ways. And then, you know, in big ways, like you have people like, you know, Mahatma Gandhi and, mm-hmm, you know, these mm-hmm. great people who embody that on, on a really mythic scale. Um, but I think we're all experiencing this to some degree, whether we're aware of it or not. Every time we go to bed and close our eyes, we're going back to the source, recharging, replenishing, mm-hmm. waking up the next day refreshed. You know, so we're constantly going back to spirit in order to get everything we need so that we can yeah. do our work. And so what happened in your 
and you're you're learning about the the yogic tradition but are you are you like when you go to india mm-hmm. what are you what are you learning what new things are you stumbling into that are helping sort of give you a path india is like an endless treasure trove of spiritual jewels i mean there's so many great stories of of saints and yeah. mystics yeah yeah um you know there's so many i so many great sayings that I can share with you. One that really always resonates and speaks to me is there was a great saint from the state of Maharashtra. His name was Nisargadatta Maharaj. And he was a simple man. He lived in a, a in a bustling city and worked as basically a cigarette salesman, selling BDs and cigarettes and small candies and packets of gum. But he was a completely realized, enlightened man, like in the midst of all this chaos. Mm-hmm. And he had this beautiful saying, Something to the effect of when when I look inside and I see that I am nothing, that is wisdom. And when I look outside and see that I am everything, that is compassion. So it's this beautiful understanding that I am nothing and everything. I am empty and I am full. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's why I really love studying Hinduism and Buddhism as well as Christianity because... Hinduism is really full. It's really colorful. Buddhism is really empty. We have a little saying that the dip, what's the difference between Hinduism and Buddhism? One tastes great, the other has less filling. Because <laughs> <laughs> when I do think of Hinduism, I think of explosive color and yeah. even graphically. A lot of, well, that's as always, a graffiti artist. Why I oh, just just, absolutely love it. I was going to say it's Nirvana, but that's yeah. but I mean the, like just depth and and. Figures and the it's endless. elephant keeps recurring yeah. with it, and it always has like a rug, and there's yeah. colors and a tapestry and a mosaic, and there's um, the powders, and yeah. um, of course in- I have a, a an absolute love obsession of with curry, and just even that is even the food is like speaks to what the whole thing is, and Buddhism often to me exactly has the sort of emptiness, sober. Yeah, we have one robe. It's like we this, shave our heads. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a rebelliousness of going in the opposite direction as everyone else, and and that there's a there's a real power in that mm-hmm. because that's when you start to unhook from everything, from the facade, from the veneer, yeah. from the tapestry, and get back to that which is shining behind the mask. The thing behind the thing. That's right. Oh. so what I what I find really interesting mm-hmm. is. I mean, I'm sure you're like me, a number of your, the people that you interact with played by the rules and they went to high school and got good grades so they can get to college. They went to college so they could, and then they were told in college, be really careful, you gotta get a summer internship so you can get maybe graduate school to get more debt or get a job. Then they got the job and they discovered, oh, I'm in a cubicle, but there's a corner office two floors up. So they did that. Then it was like, don't rent, buy because you wanna build equity and get a car with a good maintenance plan. Like they, they, did everything the way that you're like they played by the rules and they're just bored so bored one of the things i really love about the hindu tradition Mm -hmm. is it gives four aims of life one of them is your dharma it's like your duty your work the second one is uh comma like pleasure you know, enjoyment, enjoying the world, tasting delicious food. You say karma or kama? Kama. How do you spell it? 
K-A-M-A. Oh, okay. It's like the Kama Sutra. And that's just, pl- that's pleasure, enjoyment. And then, and then Arta, which is livelihood, making money, being able to support your family. But then the final one is almost the most important. It's moksha, it's liberation. So in the midst of developing all those things, you're still remembering at the back end to be detached and to offer everything back to spirit so that you don't get entangled in the material web of just pursuing this external world, which is transitory and temporary and which will never completely satisfy or quench your thirst. Yeah. Because only spirit can do that. So you're working on the three, but the, the four is almost like a bass note. Yep. That keeps, it's like the key the song is in. And it keeps reminding you it's easy to lose your north. It's easy to fly upside down and, and grab. I always talk about just grabbing things and white knuckling them too hard. Right. To the point where your palms aren't open. You can't receive anything new or fresh because you're so desperately gripping that. It's like a mullet. <laughs> Party and. Yeah, it's, you're, con- you're, you're working, you're conservative in the front, but you're fearless in the back, you know? Has anybody ever connected the, those four Hindu tenets with the mullet? No, but you <laughs> know, be- <laughs> if you look at a lot of the iconography of the Hindu gods like Hanuman and these great heroes, oftentimes they, they're rocking the mullet, and I have to respect the mullet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm a big fan of Hulk Hogan. <laughs> that is so awesome. That is so great. So it was uh, Moshka Arta in reverse order. Kama, and, and what was the first one? Dharma. Dharma, fascinating. And then a part of Dharma is called Swadharma, your own personal path or work. So there's the greater Dharma, that which is in line with nature and the universe. Yeah. So Dharmic is when you do things that are for the good of everyone. But Swadharma is when you have found your own personal niche. Mm. You know, like you doing your sermons. Yeah. You know, the Robcast is very yeah. your swadharma. It's something that only you can do. Mm-hmm. You know, you are specifically designed for this unique role. All your life experiences have prepared you so that you can do this one thing, and that's your swadharma. So there's dimensions. I love it. I love how you were sort of mentored by this by Larry. You meet Amanda, you just keep teaching. You go to India, you you experience it all firsthand. Like you're teaching real people, you're traveling, you're picking this all up. Like, comp- I love that you completely sidestepped sort of the ac- traditional academic. I, you know, it's so funny because I, like the, <laughs> the, the, the public school system spit me out mm-hmm. and I wanted nothing to do with it. And what I ended up doing was becoming um, just a student of the road and exactly. and just absorbing and learning and basically becoming a huge nerd, you know, <laughs> and just just becoming self-taught in a way, you know, by, by just like soaking up from, you know, any teacher that I could spend time with, books, you know, I read so many amazing books like Autobiography of a Yogi, um, The Prophet by Khalil Gibran. The number of people who have recommended to me Autobiography of a Yogi the past month. It's like the third mention. Of you the know, Steve mention. Jobs, that was one of his favorite books. Oh, really? Oh, my word. It's so unbelievable. You just mentioned that. I always say if I more than two people recommend, recommend something, I'm like, okay, I got to read it. Well, there's um, a great, they made a great movie about that Swami Yogananda called Awake, which recently came out. And, oh, okay. Which is a good. I've heard of that. Good film. 
Yes, so you read because you love to read. And I have to be honest, most of my study came from comic books. (laughs) I'm a huge comic book nerd. Like big time. Really? Yeah. Do you have a collection? I have a huge collection. Like do you have what do you store it in like No, I have like if you go into my office, Rob, you'll be you'll feel like you're in like (laughs) behind the curtains Wizard of Oz. It's just like comic books, baseball cards records turntables like it's just like a nerd palace okay i'm trying so you travel around the world teaching massive numbers of people yoga is what's your house like do you live in a my house is really simple you live in like a glass box or no 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 we we rent a small little house me and my wife we have a great landlady and cool little neighborhood and we've been there for a while and we we know everybody you Mm -hmm. know it's you know one of the things that yoga has taught me is like the real wisdom the real teachings the real kind of nectar is in the everyday mm-hmm. simple experiences couldn't agree more you know and just being yeah. you know being close to the earth yeah humble yeah that happened to me uh, when Kristen and I were 28 we started a church and it got really really big and there were lots of staff and budgets and, and I was traveling around a ton with a microphone talking about God in big spaces to lots of people but it didn't work at some level. I had a pretty serious burnout. Yeah. And I realized that uh, my life was getting, was I was waiting for these big moments when I get up on a stage and and that even my body physiologically was- The adrenaline. A, it, yeah. it was like hooked on those moments. I know it well. And so when I was home, <laughs> yeah. So when I'm home doing the dishes or taking out the trash, basically I'm home in quote unquote real life waiting for the next big hit. My friend always slaps his arms. He's like, you know what that, you know what that is? That's just pure yeah. addiction right there. And I had a bad burnout, like a just a adrenal gland shot, fetal position on the floor. And maybe it's over. Like, and part of it with my doctor was basically like a new normal. Yeah. And part of it was the practice for me of. Oh, the goal here, is the divine presence taking out the trash. And it was almost like I was given this vision of. If my life, if I could come to experience the highest of highs in the everyday, the divine and the daily, that's actually the art. And that's what it's all about. It, exactly. And then whatever, and if you go on a stage with a microphone, that becomes... That becomes your living room in a sense. Exactly. Almost like the overflow. Or at that point, you're just sharing with people what you've actually yeah. been tasting you're just giving them a meal that you've already been tasting and also what that does and and i would you know this is a great conversation i, I really appreciate because there's not a lot of people who can sort of understand this but for performers and, and presenters and musicians and yeah 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 when you start to understand that because there's so much drug use and, and and real you know tragedies you know yeah because the real practice is you know developing that all your own personal connection so that when you're on that big stage you're not taking that personally either because that's going to blow your fuses you're you're going to spin and you're going to and when i this would have been early this is like 11 12 years ago when that clicked oh that's the thing here and that's how some people yeah. get younger as they get older and they actually work the craft as they figured out a long time ago all that the big stage microphone stuff, that's icing on the cake. That's what that's overflow. Yeah. The real interesting thing is you with the people you love, you're walking the dog, you're doing the dishes and everything's 
everything's exactly as it should be. I love it. You're taking out the trash and you're in the center of the universe. Yeah. You're like, yeah, where else would I be? Everything is spiritual. Oh, what a great name. <laughs> am, I, am I a carpenter or did I nail it? Is it, <laughs> is it windy in here or did I just blow your mind? <laughs> That is so awesome. <laughs> now, that's a great title. You know, in, in the yoga tradition, Advaita Vedanta it means the non-dual reality. Yes. The, yeah. the, the, the spirit is unbroken. It shines equally in all things as all things. We aren't dividing everything up. And it's interesting. I have this in my own meditation practice. I had this sort of, you know, realization in myself that if I'm slightly off to the cent- off of center, I cast a huge shadow. If I'm slightly forward or back to the right or to the left, but if I'm directly rooted in the center, there's really no shadow, you know, because, you know, it's like holding a lighter up to the sun. Yeah. And I think the way to really center is through, you know, I, I, you know, I'm a student of the Bible as well, you know, and, and the master in the Bible says, you know, you enter the kingdom of heaven by being like a child, you know, by being humble. Yes. You know, to pass through the eye of the needle. Mm-hmm. You know, to be really humble, to have that empty mind, open heart, to be able to center in that spark, that flame, that light, or what the Buddhist tradition calls the jewel, the diamond inside the lotus. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the real, I mean, to me, that's that's the point. You know, yeah. that's the point. Center of the compass, center of the rose, center of the wheel, center of the cross, you know, center of your wheelhouse. Like, what is, what is it that you put in the middle of your life? What is your rock? Because that will determine how smooth your ride is. Are you holding a rock? Uh, this, is my, this is my lucky rock that I got in India. All of a sudden, I just realized yeah. I, you've been holding a rock for this interview. Yeah. What is that? It's Tell my touchstone. So I, I visited this mountain. In He's s- holding a stone, by the way. Anyway, I just want to give some commentary. It's rock and roll. <laughs> So I visited this mountain in, in South India. It's called Arunachala. And there was a great saint who lived there whose name was Ramana Maharshi. He's considered one of the most um, beloved modern saints in India. And he didn't speak much. And if you ever see a photo of him and look into your eyes, it's like looking into another dimension. It's just peace, love, and kindness. Mm-hmm. And he lived very simply on this mountain and was connected with all the, the animals you know, he was loved by the cows and the dogs. And he's like a saint, like St. Francis. And this mountain, um, for thousands and thousands of years, has been worshipped as a pillar of light. So every year, thousands of pilgrims gather and they do a procession clockwise. It takes about eight hours. I've done it twice so far. And you walk barefoot around the base of the mountain. You circumambulate it. And while you make that journey around the mountain... Uh, the pilgrims take these pots of ghee, which is like clarified butter, and they pour it onto the very peak of the mountain, and they light the mountain like a candle. So you can imagine it's like Hanukkah and Burning Man and Christmas wrapped into one. And so I took a journey to this mountain and uh, actually recorded a record uh, inspired by that trip. It was called Pilgrimage. And that, that changed my life, going to that mountain and, and standing on the peak and, you know, doing the trek around the base and seeing, you know, old people and young people and lepers and uh, monkeys and elephants and cows and just this endless procession of people, you know, really worshiping this, this mountain as a, as a lighthouse, as a pillar of light. And they say when you go to the mountain, it burns your ignorance. It cleans your heart. And 
I think it's so beautiful that you you know you you complete the circle you where you start. And I think every journey kind of brings us back to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And essentially, the teaching is that that mountain of light is inside us. You know, there's a lighthouse within. And when we do these practices, like a yoga class, if you ever taken yoga before, you end in the corpse pose. Yes. And you're literally reborn, feeling refreshed. You've renewed and restored your enthusiasm. Moment. It's the greatest. It's the best, man. It's like going to the car wash, you know? <laughs> I call it the karma wash. You get that new karma smell. <laughs> <laughs> so what is a normal, when you're not traveling, what's a normal day like? I just like kicking back with my dog and and Amanda. Usually, basically, I spend my day. I practice yoga, I meditate in the morning. I like to draw. You know, I read a lot. I teach, um, and usually, I'm just working, writing music, songs, poems. What do you write on? Um, I write on everything. Like uh, um, like uh, Garage Band, guitar, just a mic. What like? What, uh, I use my cell phone. I use my laptop. I write, okay. write freehand. A lot. Oftentimes, I'll freestyle. You know, and just kind of like work on the craft. Mm-hmm. Um, beatbox. So this Only Love Is Real, the album you just gave me. This is the new album. This is a new album. just came out on iTunes. It debuted on the Billboard charts. Um, it's doing really well. I've got some great guests like Modest Yahoo. And, oh, a legend, of course. And, and Trevor Hall, who's a good friend. And it's just a... I, I'm really happy with this record in particular this one song called Road Home which kind of documents this whole journey that we've been yeah. talking about um, and I we just recently released a video for that on YouTube you can check it out it's pretty cool um, for the Road Home MC Yogi the Road Home yeah and so what's next like what's next what do you what do you I mean there's more music coming you're uh, always more music classes. I'm working on some some top secret stuff right now I love it when people are working <laughs> on top secret stuff um and then is it Wanderlust? I would where do, you do big. That's like big, big classes. Yeah, we just we just taught to like nine hundred people up in Canada, and um, you know Amanda and I we teach together, and uh, it's fun, man. It's a lot. It's not like any other yoga class you've ever been to because we we have fun. You know, we play good music. I usually work with my DJ DJ Drez from from Los Angeles, and you know we have guests and dancers and uh, we are you perform- are you rapping during the cl- is that is that a separate every, it's like every MC- once in a while I but like to share MC-O-G my poetry show different than the MCOE show is different yeah and that's like a full blown show show yeah that's like like when we go in we go in man like, <laughs> like we get it in like this last show like you know you heard of crowd surfing right yeah which just a word to the wise Never attempt to um, stage dive at a kid's birthday party, especially if they're under the age of eight. I've, I've never done that, but I just I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah. But what I did do on this last show was we took an actual surfboard into the crowd. Oh, I saw this. And I surfed through the crowd um, while singing, and there was like a bubble machine, and it was just, it was pandemonium. It was insane. And you love it. I love it. And where are you headed next? Um, next, we're going to head back up to Canada. We're doing uh, another Wanderlust in Mount Tremblant in a couple weeks. Um, and then, you know, we're going to be doing like 30 cities next year. Uh, we're, you know, working on new music. I think the thing that I love more than anything about performing is just being able to strip away all the layers of inhibition. Mm-hmm. And, and like, we get down. Like, I love yeah. to dance. 
we've got great guests. The music's a lot of like EDM, like high energy, a lot of hip hop, some reggae, dance hall, and it's just fun, man. Like, there's nothing that's that, you know, a lot of music these days is very self-important. Right, right, and, and right. we're not really into that so much. We're just into having a good time and, and making some good memories. That's fantastic. How unbelievably inspiring. I um, I love that it's about stripping away inhibitions and blowing the roof off the joint and about a grounded center. Yeah. Where your breathing is a long, slow breath that connects you with everything around you. I love that you have taken all of these things that people generally split apart and integrated them, which obviously is where the idea of yoga comes from. It's this, an integrated life in which all these different pieces you own and claim and integrate and belong. Absolutely Are you a carpenter? <laughs> Here it comes. Because you, you nailed it, bro. <laughs> That's it. It's the integrate. It's the it's the yeah. You know, yoga is the balancing of opposites. Yes. And that is such a huge, um, it, it, like I can't even begin to describe or explain like what that could do to our society. Like yeah. we live in such a fragmented, broken world where. The left fights the right, and yeah, there's yeah, all yeah. these the opposites. All the standard dualities, everybody projecting. And but yeah. what happens when we when we when we find the center and work together? Yeah, it's amazing the innovations that we can make. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, to wrap it up, the the White House. Yeah, I mean, we start with you, sort of in was it the foster care system or a group home or you were? Yeah, we're living in a group home for about two and a half, three. So years. we're living in a group home. How do we get from group home to... How did you get to White House? Inhale, exhale. <laughs> one yes. breath at a yes, time. Yes, 10,000 hours. Um, well, you know, we came, we came home from tour one day. Uh, we'd just been out doing a bunch of shows. Um, you know, Amanda and I go, we have, we have so much fun. I mean, we, we do this color festival in Utah. There's like thirty to 40,000 kids. Whoa. And no alcohol, no drugs. They're throwing color. We're crowd surfing. It's just absolutely, we're raging. And so we come home and there's this little light flashing on our uh, answering machine. And so Amanda goes to check the messages. This is back, you know, when you have answering machines. And um, we get this call and it says, you know, this is so-and-so from the White House. I'm Michelle Obama's secretary. And we would love for you guys to be faith ambassadors for the first lady. And we thought it was a joke. You're like, which friend is this? Yeah, we didn't we didn't think yeah. it was even real. So which Amanda, friend is punking us? Yeah, exactly. Amanda ends up calling them back, and um, they do a background check on us, and we get confirmed, and we become faith ambassadors for the first lady. And basically, what that entails is just going out and you know promoting healthy lifestyle. Like I was going into juvenile hall for a little while, working with the kids, and um, you know we try to do as much service work as we can. Um, with our schedules and and so then we get a call saying you know we're going to be doing this event at the white house and we'd love for you to uh, you guys to come teach yoga so now we've done it i think three years um and it's absolutely incredible and you know what an amazing time to be alive mm-hmm. you know there's so much you know the internet is really like it's it's like a double-edged sword but at the same time it's such an incredible blessing to be connected to all the good things that are going on and all the change that's happening on a on a on a grassroots level yep yeah you know you're part of that change you know there's so many great people out there just you know putting good energy into the world well just 
traveling around this past month and just people, the fresh things people are doing. It's amazing, right? How many people just have an idea and they're just doing it? And like, there's you don't need the whole, you know, in the old days right, you needed the, the industry, you know? Oh. But now you just go straight to the people. And people are like so unbelievably empowered. Uh, yeah, I have the same thing. Just everywhere you go, there are people doing things and you think, and they're like, yeah, this is obvious, so I just am trying it. It seems like it's working. Like, wait, 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 you don't understand. I'm standing outside of your life looking at what you're doing thinking, this is so fresh and great. And they're just like, Totally normal everyday work. What blows my mind is here we are with your laptop and a little microphone in, in a little tiny little room. Room in San Francisco. In San Francisco. And, and how, who knows how many people that we're going to yeah. be able to connect with. Incredible. And you don't need much anymore. You just, you need like uh, yeah to be willing to yeah. be authentic and put a good word out into the world. So beautiful. I'm so glad we got to have this conversation. I when I started seeing pictures of you online, I was like, I have so many questions for him. <laughs> so Instagram, MC Yogi is the Instagram. MC Yogi Instagram. Seriously, peoples, if you're an Instagrammer, MC Yogi is now your new favorite daily check. The album is Only Love Is Real. He's at Wanderlust. He's up in an hour north of San Francisco, maybe in a barn or the White House <laughs> from the barn. Gosh, I hope I didn't leave the barn door open. Be ready for the next album from the barn to the White House. Um, <laughs> I'll look forward to meeting Amanda. Is she coming tonight? She'll be here tonight. Hopefully yeah. I'll, I'll look forward to seeing you, but thank you again. Oh, thanks, Rob. This is such a such a gift to be hanging out with you, man. And to all my uh, Robcast brothers and sisters, I, uh, I assume you've been like me and have thoroughly enjoyed and been enriched and inspired by getting to know Nick, a.k.a. MC Yogi. Grace and peace be with you all. Much love. Namaste.